say to you this morning and what I'm about to read here in just a second is that we are often, and I want you to say this with me, say this, repeat after me, we are often being prepared for a moment we did not know was coming. In fact, if you're following along in the app, which I encourage you to do, there's a place to take notes, I would write that there. We are often being prepared for a moment we did not know was coming. This week, this past Wednesday in intercession, as we were sitting there, we were talking and AJ mentioned King David and and a story that was there and Holy Spirit quickly brought my attention to this statement right here and and I want to read some of this uh, passage that he was referencing. But what Holy Spirit was doing, what he was sharing with me was this very thing that what David had done was prepare a people for a moment they did not know was coming. And you know, when he's trying to prepare us for moments we do not know are coming, we need to be careful. See, we might say to the Father, why are you putting me through this? I don't need to go through this because I'll never have to deal with this. And all the while, the Father's saying, you have no idea what's on the way. You don't know what I'm preparing you for. What I need you to do right now is not focus on whether or not you have a tap root, whether or not you're going to make it. What I need you to do right now is focus on what I'm trying to do is join your roots to my word. I'm trying to get you to get your roots out there to be joined to my word so that you can be prepared for the storm you don't know is coming, for the wind you don't know is coming, for whatever it might be you don't know is coming. And it's not always a bad thing that's coming. Sometimes that redwood tree, I'm preparing you, I'm making you strong, joining you with the roots so that you can be cut down and you can build a beautiful home. Maybe you're going to build the king's house. Maybe you're going to be the temple of the Lord. Maybe you're going to find yourself in Solomon's place. You hear me today? So I want to begin with this thought beyond our line of sight, and I want to point you to 1 Samuel chapter 21. This is part of the series, To Be His. This is the third part of this series, and after I'm finished, I have some things to say. But beyond our line of sight, 1 Samuel chapter 21, beginning with verse 6, reads like this. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to meet David, trembling, and said to him, He was already afraid of David. David had already done some amazing things with a few men that he had, with a group of men that he had that were strong, courageous. They were the SEAL team of that age. And uh, he had these men wrapped with him. And and they were able to defeat in battle many, many more numbers uh, than they had. And so Ahimelech came to meet David and he was trembling. And he said to David, he said, David, why are you alone and no one is with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter, and he has said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you, and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. In other words, what he's saying here is, I've told my men to meet me in such and such a place. We've already, we have a prearranged plan, and my guys are going to meet me somewhere. I came to you alone, don't you worry. I'm going to get to my guys, my guys are going to get to me. They've got my back and I've got theirs. Theirs. I've made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David and he said, I have no common bread on hand. Everybody say, he said, said, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. Ahimelech said to David, he said, I have no common bread on hand, which, was, which is what your men are qualified to eat. I understand they're hungry. But I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest and he said, 
Okay? Truly, certainly, I can assure you that women have been kept from us, as always, when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. That line's kind of slipped in there, and you can get right by that real fast if you're not careful. But he said, these men have kept themselves clean. They do even on an ordinary journey. It's not, their ordinary journey is not different than their holy journey. How much more today will their vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed before Yahweh to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. My point, what I, the point I want to make with this is, what David was saying to Ahimelech is this. He said, let me tell you something, Ahimelech. When you're saying to me, I can't give this bread to your boys because I don't know if they've kept themselves pure. And David said, Ahimelech, let me tell you something. My guys are well prepared. They didn't know when we got to this point that they were going to be hungry today. They didn't know when they said they would trust me. They didn't know when they said they would follow me that today they were going to be hungry. They didn't know that they were going to come up and they were going to have questions and they were going to have thoughts. They didn't know that they were going to get to this place. He said, but what I've done is is I've done everything I know to do to prepare them. And I can tell you their hearts are right and good. I can tell you they are ready for the moment that's about to be in front of them. They are ready for the moment that they're about to find themselves in. Ahimelech, I'm telling you, not only on the holy days when it's easy to shout, but on the common days when they're in the middle of battle, they still keep themselves pure. And David said to him, he said, I prepared my men for the day they did not know was coming. And they're ready to eat this bread. Give me that bread. Doesn't matter whether it's holy to you. And it doesn't matter, Ahimelech, whether it's common to you. What matters is, My men were prepared for a moment they did not know was coming. And I'm going to tell you today on that story, what Holy Spirit does in us often, often, all the time, in fact, He's preparing us, and if we miss the moment, we will not be prepared for what we don't know is coming. I'm telling you today, listen to me, listen to my voice. There are moments approaching you, you do not know are coming. But if you are wise, and you listen to the voice of the Lord, when those moments come, The bread will be yours. You did not even hear what I said. Let me say it again. There are moments coming. You have no idea they are on their way. But Yahweh set them up. Those moments were set up before you breathed your first breath. And there's moments coming to you, you are completely, right now, you couldn't even conceive it in your mind. You couldn't imagine what is on the way, and yet, He's sending it. Now, what you do now is going to determine whether or not when that moment comes, you get to enter into it. How you respond in this present day. Those men could not on any given day Say to David, we're going to keep ourselves pure because we know there's going to be a day we're going to be hungry and we're going to need to eat the bread out of the temple. They could have never prepared themselves for that day because they had no idea it was coming. But what they could do is say, 
David, we don't know what's coming, but we're going to walk this thing out and we're going to prepare ourselves today. Our hearts are right. Our face is set like a flint and we're bringing discipline and order to our lives so that when the day comes, we are prepared. We have opportunity today, every day, to make decisions, Jacob Hyde. We have opportunity today and every day to decide, to make decisions and to say, I'm going to let Holy Spirit do this work in me that doesn't even make sense. I don't even know why he wants to do this in me. Why does he want to do this in me? What's he trying to do? Why is he trying to get my attention about something? When God speaks, honor the voice. We don't have a choice. When he begins to speak to us, and I can tell you time and time again without giving any specifics, it doesn't matter, it's irrelevant, but at time and time again in the past, and we can all say this, there's been things that Holy Spirit has put in my heart, and I'll use myself, he's put in my heart, and in, the, in that moment I'm thinking, I don't even know what you're trying to do, what you're trying to say, because he's preparing me for a moment I did not even believe would be possible. Not only did I not believe it would be possible, I didn't even know there would be such a moment there could be such a moment but man when we let Yahweh begin to prepare us in our present Donna we begin to let him renew our mind we begin to let him change our mind we begin to let him take care of things in us right now that need to be taken care of we begin to let him weed out some things whatever those things might be I could throw a few identifiers out there but I'll let you fill in your own (laughs) begins to let us deal with those things, begins to focus on those things. He said, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to filter these things out because what's, there's something coming you know not of. There's something coming you know not of. And man, I want you to be prepared. When it's time to eat the bread, I want to make sure you can eat the bread. I don't want you standing on the outside saying, ooh, I wish I'd have listened so I could eat the bread. I'm not sure if you're hearing what I'm saying. But I want you under the sound of my voice, whether online or in this room right now, I don't care when you're listening to what I'm saying right now. I want you to hear the voice of God within my voice right now. I want you to hear this this morning. What the Father's preparing you for, He's preparing you for something you know not of. He might be preparing you something for 1230 this afternoon, and you know of it. I don't know. But I can also tell you He's preparing you for a time you know not of. Some of you today, you are par- you're not parents yet. You're not even married yet. You don't know what's coming. You don't know what He's going to look like, what she's going to look like, what your kids are going to look like. Yahweh, if you listen to His voice, He'll prepare you now for what you know not's on its way. You need to hear me today. I just want to make this point about this. They were only able to eat that showbread because they were ready for it when it came. And if you aren't ready for what Yahweh sends you, you're going to stand on the outside watching everybody else chow down. You stand on the outside and say, no, you know, I didn't, I didn't listen to him back then. I didn't, I didn't let him do a work in my heart. I didn't let him do a work in my mind. I didn't, didn't let him do a work in my spirit. I was just going to kick against the goads, and I was just going to stay on the outside of this thing and, and let him do whatever he wanted to do. I'm going to tell you, you do that when it's time to eat the bread. You're going to be standing on the outside licking dirt. You're going to be licking your wounds because everybody else is going to be filling their belly with the joy of the Lord while you're out there wondering why in the world did I how did I miss this opportunity is anybody hearing what I'm saying this morning you know what the father wants to do right now he wants to get you to a place today where you can you can expect to be a part of what he's sending yes. 
He wants you to have an expectation that whatever you're sending, I'm going to be a part of it. I don't know what it is. It's irrelevant what it is. All I know is I'm going to let you do your work in me today so that when it gets here, I'm pigging out. I'm going to go to Ahimelech and I'm going to say, send the bread. Take, I take mine with a little butter. Toast it one side twice. That's how I used to like my bagels. I'd say toast it twice, one side with my butter. I used to, you know, those of you that have been around, I used to go to Einstein Bagel every Sunday morning before church. I'd walk in there, and I'd talk to my little buddy at the thing. He always knew what I wanted, and he always had it ready. But before he knew what I wanted, I'd always go in there, and I would say, I'll take my cinnamon raisin bagel toasted twice with butter. He'd bring that to one side. I wanted it on one side. I didn't want the bottom, the round part toasted. I wanted the top toasted. So it would be soft down there and crunchy on top. And he always brought it out perfectly. And I'd sit there and read the new, talk about the news of the day with some reprobate that was at the other end of the table. It was always the same <laughs> reprobate. And I knew he was because he talked about how he hated church and everything almost every single Sunday morning. And I just sat there and I listened to him and talked about why I loved it. You remember that, babe? I do. Those were wonderful days. But when it's time to eat the bread... Listen to me. When it's time to eat the bread, make sure you're, a, you're able to sit at the table. Because what's beyond your line of sight, it's easy to not consider. It's easy to allow ourselves, and let me jump through this, but it's easy to allow ourselves to think of, the only thing that Father Yahweh is really concerned about right now is what I'm doing today. It's easy to get there. I just, I just want to get through the day. It's easy for us to just get me through the day. I just want to get my head to my pillow tonight. That's all I want to do. But that's not how Yahweh does it. Yahweh's like, hmm. You're thinking about today. What I'm thinking about is five years from now. I'm thinking about next month. I'm thinking about ten years from now. I'm thinking about what's ahead. I'm thinking about the purpose that I laid out and worked really hard on, by the way. For you, specifically for you. I made sure that it wasn't like anyone else's fingerprint. I made it specifically for you. And I worked really hard on that. And I'd really like for you to not consider that this only today is all that's yours. Bread's coming. Look at this person beside you and say, bread's coming. Be ready to eat. Get your hands clean. Get your hands clean. Wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Just because it's beyond your line of sight, I'm telling you, Yahweh, what he's done, what he has been doing, what he will continue to do is always prepare us for what we do not know is coming. And when it comes, we better recognize that's the glory of God. The second thing I want to share with you this morning is don't lose sight of the miracle. Don't lose sight of the miracle. I want to turn your attention to Mark chapter 6, if you would please, this morning, beginning with verse 30. There's quite a few verses here. These things seem completely disconnected. They are not. I'm not exactly sure how they're connected, but he'll join those together as they need to be. The roots of Samuel are being joined to the roots of Mark. Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse 30, reads like this. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus, and they told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourself. Let me, let me just say, first of all, um, what he had done prior to verse 30, and I, and I won't go into all the details, but prior to verse 30 in Mark 6, he had sent them out two by two. He'd sent them out in the middle of all of that going out. Um, they were performing signs and wonders and miracles, the disciples. They were. They were out there. They were, again, it's important you understand this. 
they are performing signs and wonders and miracles. In the process of all of that, John the Baptist gets beheaded. So they all return home for a funeral, for his funeral, and to bury his body. So when they come back home to bury John the Baptist and join together again, they join with Christ, and this is their meeting. The apostles returned, because of John the Baptist, to Jesus, and they told them, told him all that they had done and taught. They were amazed by what they were able to do after he had sent them out two by two. They were amazed. It's important you understand that they were amazed. They were like, man, we healed the sick, we raised the dead, we cast out devils, we did this, we did that. It's awesome. We're so excited. You taught us well. And then something happens. And he says to them, he says, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. There were a lot of people and he told them, he said, there's a lot of people that want your attention right now. I need you to get aside. I need you to get aside. Listen, just because people are calling for you doesn't mean you have to go running. Sometimes you need to know when to step aside. Sometimes people are going to offend it if you don't answer their call at the time. Let them get offended. They'll get over it. They can get healed. They'll either get healed in your presence or healed in someone else's. But sometimes you've got to step aside. And he said, come away by yourselves. Get away from all this activity. There's too much going on, and I need you guys to rest. You've been busy. I need you to rest. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of the disciples. They could not get away. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him, and they said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. This is what the disciples are saying to Christ. But Jesus answered them and he said, you, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? It's really kind of a funny thing because they're just bragging to him about all the miracles that they had done. And suddenly like they're starving. It's not possible that a miracle could feed them. Walk with me. He answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Go count them. Remember, don't lose sight of the miracle. And when they had found out, they said, we have five loaves, we have two fish. And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He said a blessing. He broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And then you add to that women and children. There's a lot more. And then we read on, verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples, everybody say right now. He said to his disciples, they've eaten, they're fed, they need to go home, and you need to get out of here or they'll never leave. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully. 
I preached this some years ago in a series, Walking on Water, but I want you to hear, I want you to say this with me again. Jesus saw that they were making headway painfully. Thank you. You don't have to say anything else. For the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Then a profound statement follows this. He meant to pass by them. Let's wrap our mind around this for a second. We'll come back to it. He's on land. He directed disciples to go the other side of the sea. Meet him. He said, I'll meet you on the other side. Go on over. I'll dismiss the people. Take care of that. Need some time with Yahweh for a few minutes. Go on over. I'll be there in a bit. They're floating across the sea. He's on land. He looks out and he sees that they're being tossed about because of the storm. He takes off walking. He meant, even though he knew they were in distress, did not change what he meant to do. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. They had already given up their ghost. (laughs) And they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and he said, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. You're frustrating me because you're bragging about miracles. You just saw a miracle. And you got lost somehow in the storm. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased and they were utterly astounded for they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened. How is that even possible? How is that even remotely possible? You sent us out two by two. We're doing signs, wonders, and miracles. John the Baptist gets beheaded. We come back to town to bury John and to meet with you. In the process of that, people see that we're in town and have heard of the miracles that's going on. So they gather 5,000 plus women and children. You minister to them. They're hungry. We have five loaves of bread and two trout. And we feed 5,000 people Men plus women and children. And when we're done, there are 12 baskets left over. You tell us, after witnessing, we had more in the end than we did in the beginning. (laughs) After witnessing, The miracle of feeding them, and there was more abundance in the latter than there was in the former. We get in the boat. We set sail. The waves toss. Suddenly, these miracle men, watch what God can do in me. They get in a boat and a storm comes up. (laughs) Need 
track with me this morning if you can. Jesus peering out over land, he went up to pray. You know why he went up to pray? He didn't go up to pray because he needed to pray for him. He went up to pray because he knew that the disciples were weak. They were not prepared for the moment. They could not see past the storm. And he knew even in the middle of great things that they were doing, they, were still, they would still get lost in the storm. He looks out over that mountaintop as he's standing up there and he's talking to the Father. He's saying, Father, help me help them see. Takes off walking across that water, meaning to do exactly what he told them to do. Meet me on the other side. That should have been the only word they needed. The only word they needed should have been reflecting back on his single statement. Meet me on the other side. But instead, as he's going and he means to pass by, they're terrified, they're calling out. He gets in the boat because he knows they're not going to make it. Not now. They do not have the foresight to see through this storm and recall the miracle that I've done, nor do they have the ability. They are tripping over the storm and have forgotten that what I told them was I would meet them on the other side. When has my word ever not been true to them? If he said, I'll meet you on the other side, it was irrelevant whether they got there in the boat or whether they had to swim there because the boat capsized, but not a life would have been lost. We will never know what the true intent of that journey in that ship was. Because in the middle of the storm, they forgot that his word was, I will meet you there. You get there. You will be there. Because I already see it. I see what you can't. You hear me this morning. He says, take heart, do not be afraid, it is I. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, because their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hardened. What happens? How do you get a hardened heart when you're a witness of so much glory that God releases around you? You get a hardened heart when you begin to think about all the things that can bring you down, instead of reflecting on all the ways He can bring you up. Our hearts become hard when we begin to reflect on those things that do not give Him glory, do not honor Him. Instead of focusing on what His Word is to us, this is my Word to you. Whether you understand it or you don't understand it, this is my Word. Whether you understand how you're going to get to the shore and meet me or not is irrelevant. What you need to know and believe and have faith for is that you will meet me at that shore. Because I'm going to get you there. And the irony of this whole story is that he could have cared less whether or not their boat was tossing in the sea. If I could imagine him walking in that ocean while they're being tossed about, he meant to pass by, Scripture says. And he looks over and he sees them tossing and frantic and scared. He probably had a little laugh. (laughs) This is really cool. These guys are so faithless. They can raise the dead, cast out devils, and heal the sick. But they can't float a boat. (laughs) And I'm going to remind you again of what I said when I taught this series many years ago. Don't ask Jesus to get into your boat 
when he wants to meet you at the shore. Don't start praying in the middle of your distress and say, get in my boat, get in my distress. When he says, I want you to get through that distress with faith and meet me on the other side. Don't you worry, you're going to learn something in that distress. I'll be on the other side. Jesus, get in my boat. I'm sinking. I'm lost. He said, you're not sinking, nor are you lost. I told you exactly where you would be. And exactly where you were headed. Go ahead and get through this thing and learn something from it. Have sight. Open your eyes and see. If my word to you is sure, which it always is, because he does not repent of his word. His word to you is sure. No matter what you're going through, as long as you are in pursuit of his word in those moments when it doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up. He told me to meet him on the other side of the shore. Why is there a storm? I don't understand why there's the storm. Stop focusing on the storm and focus on his word was I'm going to meet him over there. And I'm going to meet him whether I'm wet or dry, but I'm going to meet him on the other side of the sea. Mm -mm. The disciples had learned to trust when they could see, but they had not learned to trust when they could not. All I need to do is just make sure Jesus is holding my hand. And I'm going to say what I've said many times, and I'm going to say it very quickly. I, I hate that little poem about the footsteps in the sand, footprints in the sand. I hate that. It's a violation of the kingdom to even have it on our walls, to act like somehow that's a true statement because he's not carrying you. No matter, no matter how much we want to believe that somehow Jesus is going to pick us up and walk us through the sand, he's not going to do it. He might take your hand, but there will always be two sets of footprints. He will never do your walking for you because there's no education in that. Babies will never learn to walk if all they're ever done, all that's ever done is they're carried. What he's saying in this whole thing, he said, when you trusted me when you could see me, but when you couldn't, somehow you felt like I was absent. I've never left you. If you've received me, he said, I've never left you. I've never forsaken you, nor will I ever. What you need to know is what is the word that I've given you? And you lay hold of that word. And when you're in the middle of whatever storm, you know this. Don't ask me to get into your boat in the middle of the storm with you. Just meet me on the other side. Is anybody hearing me this morning? They let their fears, Dakari, and they let the storm render the miracle invisible. Their hearts were hardened because they forgot just a few hours before he'd fed all those people with loaves, five loaves and a couple fish. They forgot. Their hearts grew hardened because they let the storm turn the miracle invisible. If we're not careful, I caution all of us in our going to and fro, and I'm going to empower you with something today by Holy Ghost. But if we're not careful, 
Whatever storm is around us and whatever storm we're in, If because of that storm we let ourselves believe for a second, there's this turmoil, there's this unrest. If we let that storm, if we allow that to cause us to believe for a second that somehow He no longer does the miraculous, your heart will grow hardened and you'll stop trusting. This is what I want to empower you with today. I want you to see past the storm you might find yourself in. More than that, I want you to see past the glory you might find yourself in. I want you to see past what's hard for you right now, and I want you to see past what's easy for you right now. What I want you to see is what he wants you to see, and what he wants you to see is his word to you. What is his word to you individually? What is his word to this house corporately? If I can lay hold of that word when I feel the wind kicking up, I'm not going to forget the miracles that I've seen you do. I can lay hold of that word. I'm not going to be lost on the day that's coming I didn't know was coming. I'm going to buy up every single moment, Holy Ghost. Can I tell you today, when He's speaking to you, whether... No matter what that word is, if you will lay hold of that word, to be his is to say this. Would have been good for the disciples to say, whether he slay me or whether he doesn't, it is irrelevant. I will trust in him. I'm getting to that shore. Listen to me. If you trust him, look at me. Everybody looking right at me. If you trust him, You are getting to the other side. If his word to you is meet me over there, then you're going to meet him over there. Enjoy the journey. In whatever process he might use getting you there, learn from it. Grow from it. So that when you get to the other side, You'll never find yourself in a ship with a hard heart again. But you get to the other side better equipped arriving than you were when you were sent. Do you hear me today? Don't lose sight of the miraculous because of what you feel. What's that song? Oh man, I'm, I'm going to butcher. I probably shouldn't do this. It's not even a Christian song. I don't think. Just hold on to what you've got. How's it go? How's it go, Tamara? Is it Bon Jovi? I don't know. I don't know who it is. Just hold on. That's it. 
when Yahweh gives us a word, he gives us a word on purpose. And he's never ashamed of the word that he gives. And it doesn't even matter whether or not we understand the word that he gives. What matters is, did we receive the word that he gave? And when he says, get to the other side, I I, want to really point this out. When Yahweh says, I'm sending you to the other side, I want to tell you the latter is greater than the former. I want to tell you what was left over, what looked like was left over, wasn't leftovers. That was by his design. Because that was the education that they needed to receive. That if you will trust me, you don't have to go into the city and do what cities do. If you will trust me, I will turn a little into a lot. If you will trust me, I will cause you to see the abundance of God and the miracle of God at work. Trust me. Amen? Amen. And that's what he gave me. And he's not giving me anything else. Next week is a big day. Nine years ago, June 2nd, A group of people left here in rebellion. When they left, it created a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. Relationships are relationships. Man, when you're in a relationship, you love. You, 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 you don't imagine a day that you won't have that relationship. One of the greatest fallacies of the church world today is that, that God approves of people just jumping from one place to another. The kingdom of God is family. I'm not going to dive into that. But they left, and the miracle that occurred was some time ago, they repented. Those who needed to repent, repented. And asked if they could come home. Next Sunday is a day none of us saw coming. I'm just being honest. Now a lot of you were not here then. You have no idea what I'm talking about. It's irrelevant. You don't need to know the details. All you need to know is none of us saw that day coming. Now let me just, maybe you did. I did not. I did not see next Sunday happening. But they repented. Just this week, the leader of that house told me again, he says, I want to apologize again for my rebellion. And I've said, and will say if he does it again, I've said, you don't have to apologize anymore. It is done. And I need you to hear my voice. It is done. And I need you to hear this. The latter will be greater than the former. Amen. 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 
Amen. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, give me just a second. I want to strike hands with the agreement. I'm striking hands with agreement. Celebration this morning. Amen. 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 I'd bend over further, but I'm sore. I played uh, AJ and Joshua racquetball, and, and it pains me in every sense of the word. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Just make noise in the mic. But I want to bring together, help you to see better, more clearly, of how, because he made the statement that he didn't know how the two sets of scriptures that he read were going to come together. But I want to help you to understand that it was about the meeting. Hmm. And it was about the hearts of the people that were meeting. David and Jesus were of the same heart. They set a destination in their hearts to say, I will meet you at this such and such place, or I will meet mm. you on the good. other side. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. good. David prepared his men in a way that it didn't require the extraordinary, but he said, even in the ordinary, yeah. they are prepared yeah. for the meeting. And when it came time for the meeting, and eating of the holy bread, they were ready. It didn't take nothing else. And there was a perfect union that happened there in that meeting place. And when they got there, even though they were hungry and famished, there was something there for them to revise them and to replenish them that was greater than the journey that they took. On the other hand, we're talking about Jesus. And it seems like, man, that should have been easy doing. But here's Jesus, and here's the disciples, which he had anointed and sent them out two by two. And their journey was glorious because they were awed by what was happening. They came back and they gave a great report. But even in the miraculous, even in the wonderful things they did, they did not allow their hearts to be prepared for the meeting. So in spite of everything that happened before the meeting, they were not ready to meet Christ on the other side because their hearts, as he said already, did not see beyond the glorious time. See, here's an ordinary time when David and his men, and they could have easily became lulled by the ordinary. But their hearts remained prepared, even though it wasn't exciting. They didn't see what was coming, but they saw beyond. Because there was a meeting that was going to take place. Here's where we got, and the disciples got caught up in the glory. They got caught up in all, all that was happening. And, and this is what, the, and they didn't see for it. So when it came time to meet Jesus on the other side. Their hearts weren't prepared. They missed out on the glory that would have come on the other side. 
So you have to make a decision today. Are you going to see beyond even in the ordinary, even when times don't seem so good? Are you going to look beyond and are you going to be able to meet Christ in the meeting place? Or are you going to allow this to be well enough? So it's about the meeting. It's about the place that the Father wants to meet you at. As a house, as a body, as an individual, you have to be prepared, be prepared and prepare yourself for the meeting place. Amen. Amen.